This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. to the Toys R Us report, recorded live from inside the Pooptronic Cellular Undersea Base 0001, 6.5 miles below the ocean surface. When you bust caps, make sure they kryptonite caps, because he's the man of steel swatting bullets like gnats. He's your host, Icy Robots. If you're looking for me, you better check under the sea. It is your dude, Icy Robots, and I'm not a hero, but I do suck a present of my week. Each and every week, your week, a bit less week, and this week, it is going to get so much less week. We're going to talk, we're going to talk Halloween, we're going to talk about a movie I saw called, uh, Something Something Hotel Royale. It had John Hamm in it. It was a lot of fun. A dude fell asleep. Uh, we're going to do a bunch of cool stuff. It's going to be great. Let me find this thing in the drive. Hold it now. Hit it. You were listening to the Toys R Us report. You can't mess with us because we just too hot. So all that mess you pop, I suggest you stop. All new, all powerful. Blackula, the Black Prince of Shadows, rises from his grave to stalk the earth again, quenching his thirst for blood in a death trap for his enemies. Blackula returns. Blackula, more horrifying than Dracula. Queen Blackula Scream, all new, rated PG, starring Ham Greer, the sensuous godmother of coffee. You were terrified at Blackula. Now the Prince of Shadows returns in Scream, Blackula Scream. All right, I am back, and this is the first bit of the show. I am... I am in this makeshift recording studio that Emily put together over near, over near where they clean out the chum buckets. It's, it's not that great. You can still, you can still hear the gurgling. You can still hear the beeping, but at least, at least we were able to set up the soundboard and the overhead mic and all that stuff. Emily has a bit of a booth. It's, it's kind of a closet, really, but it has a window. I can see her. I can see her in there. What's up? I can see. I can see Ensign Kate over there. We got. We got an area closer to the uh, sink that she she records from. It's it's all good. Blackula is a super fun film. I I had this period of my life. In which I was crazy into black exploitation films. It started with me seeing Shaft on like TNT, and it it led me down this down this rabbit hole of slaughters and truck turners and things like that. I was I was just into it. They had this 
they had this rawness that the mainstream movies I was seeing at the time didn't have. It was great. I I remember the first time I saw Blackula. It was either on like a TNT, like like maybe like a Joe Bob Briggs. I guess I don't remember it that well. But what I what I do remember is the influence that it had on us. My my bro and I were up late, you know, sitting on the couch watching TV. This was probably like in between in between bouts of Sega Tecmo Bowl or something, or maybe some Tom Lasorda baseball. We were like, we were crazily into sports game, and I imagine like we just had a uh, a hard round of Tecmo Bowl. I was the Bears with Matt Suey and Jim McMahon, and he was he was somebody else. Maybe the maybe the Raiders with Bo Jackson. I don't know something something like that. And then there it was, a movie with a black Dracula. It was just it was just the greatest thing that I'd ever seen. I. I couldn't believe that somebody was cool enough and smart enough to make a movie where you cast this this super cool black Dracula. It was great. I would love it. I would love it if Mego came out with the Blackula Mego. I know that there have been there have been some in the past. I recall hearing somebody talk about one once that was that was high valued. It's not a Mego, like one of these Mego style eight inch figures that that people lovingly come out with, I, I do recall that. But, uh, man, this led us into this this search for, like, Blackenstein and a black werewolf and a, a black creature from the Black Lagoon. And a lot of these things existed. There was this whole universe of film that that I was happy to explore. We would go down to the down to the video store that was next door to A&B Market. A&B Market is now Oliver's. The video store is now... It is now Sunnyside Cottage where they sell, where they sell little knickknacks and stuff. But at one time it was, it was the store that we would rent from. And they, they had some of these movies, you know, they had Shaft, they had Shaft Goes to Africa. They had, they had stuff like that. We had to, we had to search deeper to get into, um, you know, the, the sequel to Blackula Scream, Blackula Scream and things like that. But we were able to come up and discover a bunch of these cool things. I... I can still remember that video store really distinctly. It had it had wood paneling and they had the the shelves with the videos in the you know, the videos are removed from the boxes. The boxes were they were full of styrofoam. They cut little styrofoam shapes to put inside and you would you would grab a tab from the front. They'd have all these hooks. And you would grab a tab off one of the hooks and bring it up bring it up to the counter and they had they had a number on it that would correspond to a movie that they kept behind the counter. I remember my friend Janelle worked at the video store and she would sometimes kick me down free rentals if there was there was nobody there. This was this was like a dream job at the time. I would go I would oh I'll be honest to you, I would skip school a lot and come home and I would go and rent a rent a video and watch it. And she she had this job over there and she was the only person a lot of times in the stores. Just her and the videos watching them up there it was like it was like clerks you know it was, it was a scene like that and I was really I was really jealous of her this this place had the adult room with the with the swinging saloon doors you know the the ones like a you know like an old west saloon that you would go inside of those things made such a loud noise that anytime somebody would come out with some kind of a feature that they've selected you would hear the doors like whoosh by and swing and everybody would 
everybody would turn and look to see who it was. But, uh, yeah, to get back to the point, Blackula was a lot of fun. I remember this one scene where Blackula is out at night and he's, you know, he's in his, his velveteen cape. He looks like, he looks like how a Dracula dresses and he's out at night walking the, walking the boulevard and these, first he gets propositioned by a prostitute and then he, he rebukes her. He is, he is above that. He, he moves on and he gets accosted by her pimps. They, they try to shake him down for some bread and Blackula's like, well, I don't, I don't have any bread with me and I, I think that you should, you should leave me alone. And the pimps, they, they start jaw jacking at him and one of them punches him in the, in the stomach. But of course, you know, he's hard, he's hard like iron. He's super powered and when he lands the blow, Black Yellow looks down, and then he, then he lifts his head. And when he does, he's no longer the person you've seen. He just, he transforms into the monstrous, the monstrous Black Yellow, and he goes to a, uh, he goes to work. You could actually see this, uh, this bit on YouTube. I, I went and looked it up. I wanted to see that part again. And the, the entire scene is available up there on, uh, on the tube. Blackenstein was dope too. I. I remember the story was that the brother was wounded in Vietnam and that his girlfriend goes to a uh, she goes to Dr. Stein to have him to have him reborn and reborn he is. I I found a bit of a trailer for that on on the tube. Let me let me play that. It's definitely definitely worth watching. The acting in it is very reminiscent of a uh, of uh, Amber Waves in, in Boogie Nights, in the scene where she is first introduced to uh, to Dirk Diggler. Dr. Stein would like to see you in his laboratory. It brings you to California. Well, I just arrived from New York. My fiance was wounded in Vietnam, and the doctors there wrote and told me he was being transferred to the Veterans Hospital here. He was seriously wounded when a landmine went off under him. Eddie, this is Dr. Stein. The doctor I studied with when I was in school? No. Dr. Stein. Look at this. weird man go go look for the uh the a bit that i that i just played you can see it on youtube seeing it is better better than hearing it even though even though those grunts are are pretty impressive at the time this was really like my first foray into independent film because these movies were they were truly indie they were truly low budge and they were truly truly real in a way that that kind of belied their their silliness I guess they they just played so raw in the way that they were unpolished you know I I was used to the studio film this was really before the before the big breakthrough of indie films so Everything had this veneer on it, and everything had this, everything had this polish on top of it that these movies didn't have. It it made these movies seem all that more thrilling, all that more exciting. If you, 
if you haven't dig deep into uh, black exploitation type cinema, I, I definitely recommend it. At the very least, go see Blackula because it is an honest to gosh good movie. It's not one that you're, it's not one that you're making fun of in a uh, in a kind of poke your finger at it and laugh at the silliness way. It's it's legitimately good. Let's move into um the the segment known as at the movies. <laughs> In a moment, at the movies without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper, but you've got icy robots, so that's something, right? First time of the El Royale? Seven strangers. Howdy. Seven secrets. Would you mind opening up the door? No, I ain't gonna do that. One connection. Too quiet in here, don't you think? Bad Times at the El Royale is the best thriller in years. No one here is innocent. It's daring and original. Four stars. You know something, don't you? Bad Times at the El Royale. Rated R. October 12th. We saw Bad Times at the El Royale on a Monday morning at the downtown theater we were in. Theater number six, which is the only one that we have seen so far. They've recently renovated. They've added the added the recliners and all that stuff. But we've only we've only ever been in theater six. Uh, there are I think seven screens downstairs, and we've only been inside one. We've been we've been looking forward to this since I I first started seeing the trailers for this. It's it's kind of a mystery sort of deal. The mystery is you're trying to figure out what's going on. At the uh, the El Royale, the the setting of the place is Lake Tahoe, which is a place I've been many, many, many times. I I really like Lake Tahoe. The scenery is beautiful. It snows there. You can sled. You can have a good time. But there's also there's also casinos and all kinds of fun stuff. It's really it's really great. It's like a much smaller Reno that's in the in the mountains. It's gorgeous. The The hotel that the movie is set in is also gorgeous. This is during the 60s. It has that amazing 60s Rat Pack ambiance. The movie is, the movie is absolutely beautiful. It stars John Hamm, Dakota Johnson, Jeff Bridges. There are, there are all sorts of people in it. It is a, it is an ensemble cast. Nick Offerman. I, I liked it, but I didn't, I didn't love it. When, when the movie starts, it, it leads you into the El Royale and it takes a long time to get going. It has that, that technique of movie making that like a Quentin Tarantino uses where something happens and then you go back and you see it again through the eyes of a different character. So it takes a long time to get through a short amount of storytelling. None of it, none of it is bad, mind you. It just, it takes a real long time to get going. I may not have been in the perfect mindset for this movie. I kind of, I kind of want to mention that going in. I was really, really tired. I could not sleep at all the night before. So when we got to the theater and the recliner started to go back, I, I was fighting to keep my eyes open. It was, it was a red alert fire night. Up there in Santa Rosa, California, the winds were high, the heat was high, and we live so near to the hills where the fires were that we gotta we gotta stay on mental alert when they when they let you know that 
that the activities are that in which there could lead to a to a fiery situation. So I didn't get as much sleep as I as I would have liked, but that that doesn't mean that the movie was moving along at a uh, brisk pace either, because it really doesn't. But once it gets going at the end, there is a lot of fun. John Hamm is good as he is in just about everything. I cannot say that I've ever seen Dakota Johnson in anything. I think she was in the movie about Facebook. She was Mark Zuckerberg's girlfriend, but I don't think... I've never seen her as the lead in anything. I know... I know that she... She's the star of the Fifty Shades of Grey series. I haven't seen any of those. They... They don't really, really do it for me. They seem a little... Little silly, so I haven't seen one. But you see Dakota Johnson all over the place. I see her in commercials. I see her on TV. So she kind of has, like, this... This superstar appeal when I... When I see her. She seems like a real movie star. I thought that she was... She was pretty good in this. Chris Hemsworth is in it as well. I I don't know what I don't know what to say, especially about this movie. A lot of really cool things happen. the The scenery is beautiful. There is a mystery that unfolds logically. It all makes sense and it all comes together, but it feels like there's something lacking from the movie. What that something is. I don't know, but it's that something special that like a Quentin Tarantino or Robert Rodriguez puts into a a similar movie and it turns out to be much better than the El Royale. I really, really did want to like this. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. This opened the same week as First Man, the the Ryan Gosling movie about Neil Armstrong, which is getting great reviews, but there was never a question ever. That this was the movie that we were going to go see because we were looking forward to it. And while we both, me and the old wife, liked it, we didn't love it in the way that we thought that we would. So, let's take a look and see right quick what, they, what they're saying about this one over on the, uh, over on the tomates. It was directed by and written by Drew Goddard, who, who you might know from Cabin in the Woods. He wrote The Martian, 10 Cloverfield Lane. He has a lot of... He has a lot of good movies under his belt. It it clocks in at a whopping 140 minutes. It was put out by 20th Century Fox. It's rated R. Presently, right now, as we speak, the critics have it at... They got it at 72%, which means 7.2 out of every 10 critics who saw it liked it. And the people are at 75%. So, it's about the same, more or less. So... With all that said, I'm the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter with one being a dud and five being an all-time classic. I am going to give Bad Times to El Royale a good solid three mics. Three mics. Wonder Woman, starring Linda Carter, and Incredible Hulk, starring Bill Bixby, will return at their regular times next Friday evening on most of these stations. This week on the show, here do, I See Robots is going to talk about various Halloween topics, from Night of the Living Dead to Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Now, originally, I was going to fill this space up with 
with my tales of the sinister creature con in Sacramento, where where I was gonna meet the great Sherilyn Finn from Twin Peaks. I was I was super stoked about this, but she she pulled out of the appearance at the last minute, so we decided not to head down, especially especially after the folks who put on the con. They they went ahead and comped us tickets to the next con where she is going to be doing a makeup appearance. So that was that was super nice of them and I I appreciate that the folks at the Sinister Creature Con are on the up and up. I have nothing but good things to say about those guys, but sadly, we didn't go and that left me with maybe like 20 25 minutes of show that I needed to that I needed to fill. Uh, I I sat down and I I did some thinking and I said, "Hey, I could just I could just tell some tales of Halloween. I could I could fill you in on what I did as a uh, as a trick or treater, what a what a trick or treat was like for me, things I would do in and around Halloween. I I may have told some of these stories before in different places. I know not. I I only have so many tales in me. I'm always I'm always getting new ones, but there are only so many from the past. I I was not Mr. Costume back in the back in the olden days. Through through most of elementary school, I went as Dracula. I just had a vinyl cape and I would paint my face white and wear those teeth. Generally, I would just wear my just normal gear, like my my jeans and my t-shirt. And maybe Maybe even a baseball hat. I I don't know. I have never really been into into wearing costumes. I I don't know why. I think it's definitely cool to wear one. It's just it's never appealed to me to be on that side of the uh of the show, as it were. I like looking at people in costume quite a bit. I I dig like cosplay and all that stuff. It's fun to check people out, but I I never I never really feel like I want to be the one who's wearing the costume that you're checking me out, if that makes sense. I think that, I think that's basically what it was. So, I was Dracula, like, all through elementary school, and then, then after that, I, I didn't dress up again for a few years, but I, I then started hanging out with this kid, Andy, who we, who we talked about in the My Friend Andy episode of This Boring Life. He and I, he and I would spend a lot of time playing army. We spent a lot of time playing soldiers, dressing like soldier boys. He, he, for whatever reason, had a ton of, like, army surplus stuff. He had jackets, pants, belts. He even had, like, holsters and helmets and all this stuff. And he, he had, like, free access to use this as it, as he saw fit. It wasn't like it was on, you know, a, um, a collectible display kind of thing. This was, this was his stuff. And we would wear this stuff all the time. We were always crawling through the back of the, back of the complex or going through the creek wearing our army clothes. And when it, when it came around to Halloween, we would basically just army close it up again. We'd, um, do it a bit more. Like, a lot of times we would just wear, like, jackets and maybe our jeans and maybe, like, a holster and a helmet or something. But when it was, when it was Halloween, we would go full bore. We would wear pants, army shirts. To me, 
this stuff always looked like maybe like Korean War, maybe like Vietnam era stuff. It was the olive drab canvas, you know, and the khakis and that kind of stuff. And we would we would go all out on Halloween. Sometimes we would even paint like black stripes under our eyes, like we were like we were playing outfield for for the A's. One of one of my Halloween traditions was watching Night of the Living Dead on KFTY TV 50. Well, you need to really be scared for the first time. Johnny, in many years, you're still afraid. They're coming for you. Bob. Right here on KFTY Channel 50, television north of the gate. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Night of the Living Dead. That was our local Santa Rosa channel. It was it was the one that you could easily get on a on an old school antenna TV. We we live in a valley up there on the Earth base, and it's hard to get any TV or any radio. It has to be it has to be super duper close. And channel fifty broadcast right out of Santa Rosa. So you could you could pick it up on any TV. It was the only thing you could possibly pick up on one of those Watchman TVs. I I knew a few people who had one and there was no way it was reaching over the hills and all the way to San Francisco. But it would always get T V fifty and T V fifty played Night of the Living Dead every Halloween at I'm thinking either four or five o'clock. This was, this was that gap of time after you got home from school, but before you went out again trick-or-treating. Maybe you would, maybe I would touch up the stripe under my eye, or maybe I would like gussy up my army gear, or maybe, maybe slick back my Dracula hair a bit before, before putting my baseball hat over it. I, I don't know. There was always that time and you would maybe eat dinner. I don't know. You do whatever you do. But um, during that period, in the background of just about every Halloween I remember from like junior high all the way up through high school was Night of the Living Dead, the George Romero classic. I, I'm i not like Mr. Scary Monster Movie Dude. I, I like a good horror movie. I tend to go more toward like the survival horror. I think the, the kind where like a bunch of dudes are trapped and some people are trying to kill him, or something's trying to get him, and they have to, they have to get away. The kind where it's more like home invasions or whatever. That stuff, that stuff scares me to death more so than, more so than like a Michael Myers or a uh, Jason Voorhees. Now that stuff, that stuff is scary too. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't doesn't appeal to me in that way. So at the time, I did not watch. Didn't watch a lot of scary movies. I've seen, like... I saw Nightmare on Elm Street 1, I think, part of that. I know I've seen parts of different Friday the 13th movies, but they gave me nightmares. But for whatever reason, Night of the Living Dead was something that I could... That I could take. I... Maybe it was because it was in black and white. That was something that was... That was a bit uncommon at the... At the time, which is weird to think about, because if you think, like, before that, everything was black and white, because all I had in my room was a black and white TV. Sure, they had the color in the living room that I would watch a lot, but I also watched the black and white in my, in my room, my 12-inch black and white that I would check out Channel 50, but for whatever reason, when you would see a movie on the main living room TV that was in black and white, it didn't seem, it didn't seem as real as a movie that was in color, so, so, I don't know, 
I was less scared for whatever reason. I I was into zombies for a super duper long time before before the zombie thing kind of exploded. I still I still do like zombie things, but I am at the point where most of the most of the scenarios I was interested in have been played out in some form of media or another. I I read The Walking Dead every month. It's one of the comics that I really look forward to. To be honest, it may be the comic that I look forward to the most because it's on this amazingly long run with like the same writer and the same artist and it's the same story. So I really feel like I need to follow along with these, with these guys, this Rick, this, uh, this, I don't want to name any names besides Rick. I, I don't want to give away spoilers to people who watch the TV show. I don't read the book, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I like the, the TV show too. I, I liked all of Romero's movies from Dawn of the Dead to Diary of the Dead. I, I used to just love a zombie story. It was so fun to think, what would I do to survive this scenario? I think that's what everybody does when they watch one. But there was like, there's a period where zombies were kind of on the obscure tip, you know, before, before maybe like 28 days later came out. That movie was a big turning point. It kind of, kind of made zombies cool again. I, I can remember when I went to see that, me and the old wife had not seen a lot of, like, scary movies together because she wasn't really into it, I wasn't really into it, but we both, we both kind of thought zombies were cool, and 28 Days Later was getting, it was getting rave reviews, so we went to check it out, it was playing at UA6, that was, that was in the period after it was no longer a United Artist Cinema, but it wasn't yet the rundown $3 theater, it was still, it was still a big one in the chain. So they had, they had 28 days later and we went to see it and it was so scary. The idea of fast zombies at first was super duper scary. Now, now when you see one, it, it's startling, but it's not, it's not the same because then you start thinking about the debate between fast zombies and slow zombies and all that stuff. But at the time when I saw them, it was super scary because you're like, there's no way you could get away from one of these guys, these, these rage zombies. With them, them running full speed, it's like, you're done for. They'll be coming at you from all directions. It's so harsh. The, the shambling zombies, they, they seem like fairly easy to get away from. You just gotta, you just gotta keep up a decent pace. But I guess the idea is they never tire, and eventually you do. So, you gotta find some way to... To evade them. If you ask me where I stand on fast zombies versus slow zombies, it is as this. I prefer a slow zombie, but if you wanted me to be real with it, which is, which is silly to say when you're talking about animated, animated corpses, but if you wanted me to be real with it, I think that I would make it so the zombies, now this is if I were, if I were writing the tale, where the zombies... At first, you know, they might have, like, a bolt of speed, but eventually they wear down as they, as they tear tendons, as they injure themselves running frantically, as they fall down, as they, as they whatever. So, some zombies may be faster than others, naturally, and they may, 
they may hold up their speed a bit longer, but running full speed at somebody isn't going to be a very sustainable way to go through life. You're going to break up your knees. You're going to hurt your feet. It's going to, it's going to eventually lead you to walking. I think, I think it's going to get you to shambling pretty quickly, but that's neither here nor there. Now that's how, that's how I would look at it if it were like a logical real deal. Like the zombies on Walking Dead would not be running at this point. They would be, they would be barely moving. It's been so long and they've rotted away to nothing. But maybe a brand new fresh zombie may be able to, uh, may be able to run fast. Let's, let's check out a spooky wookie commercial and we'll be back in a sec to, uh, we'll talk about something else. Wanna go psycho with me, Elvira, here at the Bates Motel? Look for me wherever they sell mug root beer. And enter the Go Psycho with Elvira contest. You can be my guest at Universal Studios in Hollywood for a monstrous bash at the Bates Motel. Shower, anyone? This Halloween, go psycho with Elvira and win a party with mug root beer and me. I love my mug. I love it. Another spooky-related thing that I was, like, crazily into was, uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Look, let's not beat around the bush. Elvira has some, she has some tangible asset that, uh, that draw the eye. But beyond that, what gave her such a lasting appeal was that that goofy valley girl personality that she had. I I think that Elvira, beyond being a beauty, was also a pretty talented improv performer. I I remember, I'm thinking maybe like 85 or 86, MTV did these Elvira Halloween special. I I went to look for these on YouTube and I, I heard a commercial for one and it was like going to be Elvira and then right after that was a live Alice Cooper concert. Hi there guys and ghouls, it's me, Elvira, the queen of Halloween and tonight I'm having my Halloween party right here at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. After Elvira shows you the weirdest, scariest videos ever made, the terror continues with Alice Cooper live in Detroit at midnight Eastern. That was really great, but on on those specials, Elvira Elvira did a lot of like on the street kind of stuff where she was out there improving these weird little question and answer sessions with various various goofballs on the street. It it must have been like a like a traffic stopping site. You know, imagine you're you're driving by and there's there's Elvira and she's wearing the Elvira dress. She has the Elvira hair. She's wearing those shoes. I can only imagine. Elvira is played by an actress known as Cassandra Peterson. She's a redhead in real life. I I found that fascinating when I when I first found out. I I of course got into Elvira pre-internet so it was hard to get any kind of information about like the actual person behind the role like it is today so it seemed as if she was Elvira she was Elvira all the time it wasn't like she was like Roseanne off of TV's Roseanne and you knew that sometimes she was Roseanne sometimes she was like this other Roseanne that may not have been 
the best example, but we always saw Elvira as Elvira. And I remember as I as I started to get into the internet and what everyone was able to find things out, I, I was surprised to see that she was this redheaded lady named Cassandra Peterson. I I just found that I just found that wild, man. I don't know. She she kind of got her start as sort of a burlesque dancer. If you if you ever give it a minute, go over and give her Wikipedia page a read. She had so many wacky adventures. And I don't know if any of this is true, but it says she dated Elvis. She dated Tom Jones. She, during her teenage years, worked as a go-go dancer in a local gay bar. She she did all kinds of wacky stuff. She was a showgirl in Vegas. She was part of a improv comedy group. She she has led a super interesting life. I'm sure she's put out a biography. That might be that might be an interesting read as far as celebrity bios go. She she was actually auditioning for the role of um, Ginger in a made-for-TV movie of the Gilligan's Island story when she was discovered on the set by by the owners of the TV station in Los Angeles, which was... Let me find the proper call letters for this because this is really important. They are the ones who who essentially put the whole Elvira thing together. She played the role, but they're the ones that came up with the uh, with the whole thing. It was KHJ TV in Los Angeles. There's this weird guy on Channel 9 this fall, and I guarantee he'll give you nightmares. His name is Freddy something or other, but immediately following Freddy, I'm back. Now, if I'm Mistress of the Dark, and Freddy's going to give you nightmares... I would think twice before falling asleep Saturday night. Remember, don't miss a nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's Nightmare, and me, Elvira, Saturdays beginning at 10 p.m., nowhere else but Channel 9. Elvira's Movie Macabre tonight at 11. When KHJ launched Elvira's movie program, the original idea was to relaunch an earlier horror host program. This one was... This was a show hosted by a gal named Vampira. There are striking similarities between Vampira and Elvira. You can hear it right there in the name, but when they when they approached the actress who played Vampira about coming back, she wasn't into it, so they decided to go ahead with the show on their own and they they stumbled upon Cassandra Peterson at the at the auditions for the Gilligan's Island movie and they probably saw her. They said, there she is. There's a, our Elvira. They offered her the role. She took it. And a couple years later, Vampira sued them. And they took it to court. They fought it out. And the the network won because they found that while there are similarities in the characters, she is not representing herself as Vampyra, so while they are similar, they are not the same. For a while, back in the 80s, Elvira was everywhere. She was in commercials, she had the show, eventually, eventually she got a movie of her own. I had a copy of that off of HBO on VHS for the longest time. It's a, it's a funny movie, it's silly, it's it's kind of cute. I think on the surface, if I 
If I had to rate it, I'd probably give it three mics, but in some ways, due to due to the power of repeat viewing, it could theoretically be a five mic movie hall of favor. It's fine. It's it's a fun. I I don't know what to say about that. I've always just I've always been a fan of Elvira. That goofy Valley Girl attitude just always I don't know, man. Made me laugh. I I think she's all right when. When I would trick or treat as a kid, I would I would only hit up like a few houses around my around my area. Dig that, dig that fast change. I didn't know where else to go with Elvira. I dig her. I got a little little bit into that. Not too much. It's fine. I did not trick or treat a ton. I would go out, hit the block, hit the couple other blocks. There were kids. There were kids who were like, I got this pillowcase. I am not coming home until this pillowcase is full. I. I was not that dude. I was just too lazy to go miles and miles and miles. I knew dudes were like, I'm going to hit the entirety of Rinkin Valley. I would be like, mm, I'm going to hit my block a couple blocks over. But what I what I was into was the opportunity to hang out outside the house at night during the week. It seems very rare that Halloween falls on the weekend. This year, Halloween fell on a weekend. Me and Ghetto was a trick-or-treating. Little kids for it's usually during the week, so the opportunity to go out and just goof around during a school night night was it was just too much to pass up. While me and Andy and this dude Mike, we would kind of like skulk around the neighborhood and we would do stuff that that might be slightly mischievous, but not fully mischievous. We would we would steal people's pumpkins. That was one thing we were into. We were. We were notorious pumpkin smashers. I look back on that with some minor degree of regret, but as a as an adult now, I do see that it's possible that your jack-o'-lantern could get smashed. It's possible that somebody could come up on Halloween and kick it right in its stupid face. It's it's the nature of Halloween. It's something that you have to accept. You can't you can't take it too uh you can't take it too hard. I I figure nowadays somebody's gonna steal our pumpkin, and it does happen from time to time that some neighborhood teens run off with our pumpkin. That's that's okay with me because that's just like one less trip I have to make over to the uh, compost bin or the uh, to the backyard to smash it onto the ground myself. We'll sometimes smash a pumpkin onto the ground in one of our flower beds. We have like these. These elevated beds that we sometimes grow veggies in. We'll smash a pumpkin into that and see see if anything comes from it. It's hard to grow like a nice round pumpkin. We'll get like we'll get like things that look more like gourds or zucchinis. Maybe there's maybe there's a trick to it. I don't know, but uh I think I think I'm gonna end this segment. This wasn't a bad little improv Halloween segment, I don't think. But um we shall now move into the the final bit of the show but first this is the projectionist from the saturday frights podcast you are listening to the toys are us report <laughs> You made it this far. It's time. The final segment. The Icy Robots Radio Pop Culture slash Toy News slash Other Boring Stuff Informational Moment. 
We are back for the final, the end, the final segment of the show. Big shout out to our dude Vic Sage and his dude The Projectionist. He recently came out with his his Halloween special. And your dude, that is me himself, was... I was asked to come down to the Haunted Drive-In and talk Halloween with those guys. The... The John Carpenter film, it was a dynamite episode. I'm not the only guy there. There's there's Rockford J. There's just a bunch of other dudes. It is it's a terrific show. You can find that over on The Retroist. You could you could find it over on Vic's Twitter. That is at VicSage2005. VicSage like like the famous question of DC fame. We picked up a patron this week. He goes by the name of Stuntman Mike. Stuntman Mike, I want to give you a big shout out. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for helping keep us keep us in oxygen down here on the uh, on the bottom of the sea. I appreciate that. I appreciate your support. I appreciate everything, man. You're a good, you're a good dude. Big shout out to Stuntman Mike. We we also posted up the JCoin slash sticker pack. You can find that on icrobots.com. That's $9.99, but you get a JCoin button, you get the Masked Men sticker, you get the Ripley's sticker, you get a couple of the VHS labels, and you get two original video droid stickers from the famed video droid store of Santa Rosa. You can get all that, like I said, for $9.99. That's a bargain. That's that's shipped. If you if you go over to Redbubble, stickers are like four bucks shipped each. So this is this is the way to go. And it helps it helps to support the show. So go to icrobots.com. Scroll down a bit, maybe go to the sidebar. You go down a bit, there's a category that says merch. You can find it there. It's all handled. Through PayPal, it's on the up and up. I sold a few of those this week. I want to give a shout out to everyone who picked one up. I I appreciate you. I I got an instant message, a direct message on Twitter from one of our one of our good dudes out there in Santa Rosa. This is a chap that goes by the name of Joe. He has he's called in before. He is a he is a good pal of Gino Vegas. He he called me up on the tweets and he said, hey. I'm over at Target. I got I got one of those Frankenstein's for you. I'm going to I'm going to put it in the uh, layaway section or I'm going to have somebody hold on to it for you. It's there for you to come get it. He found the the one Santa Rosa Frankenstein. I had already ordered mine, but I I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. It was real good. Real good dude gesture. Nice of you. I also got a message from Engineer Nerd this week. He was at his his target over there in Uper country, and he came across a Gorn and a Frankenstein, and he messaged me. That was, that was nice to be thinking of, thinking of your dude, man. That's always, that's always good. I, I'm not going to take any calls or texts this week. I'm going to, I'm going to try to stick on the point. We got to, we got to move along. I picked up a Richie Cunningham Migo. This is, this is from Wave 2. He is, of course, from Happy Days fame. In the face, to me, I've opened him. I've opened him since the last time we talked and goofed around with him a bit. In the face, he looks a bit like... He does look like Richie, if you if you look close. But to me, more on the surface level, he looks like K.J. Appa from Riverdale. I saw the Riverdale premiere. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about that in a sec. But the thing that's weird to me is his hair is brown... But that's, 
I don't know. That's not really, that's not really okay. You know, it should be more red. If he was more red, he would look, it would look straight up Archie. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why I'm going in that direction. I'm playing with him right now. He comes with, he has his high school varsity jacket. It's a nice jacket. It has a J on it. Where did he go to school? Jefferson? I don't know. It is his accessory is a milkshake, which makes him, makes him seem more Archie altogether, but that's neither here nor there. Again, he has, he has some tan pants and white shoes. I, I like him enough. I, I do like Happy Days. I actually watched the Happy Days, one of the Happy Days Halloween episodes on YouTube the other day. It was the one where, it was the one where they throw a Halloween party in an abandoned house there in town and, uh, and Bugs, Bugs and all those dudes from whatever it was that gang was called, they, they crash the, uh, party and hilarity ensues, but I, I do like Happy Days enough. I'm not like a Happy Days fanatic. I have, I've seen every episode, but I guess everybody has it played in syndication here on, on KBHK, I think usually two episodes in a row, sometimes they would play a Happy Days and a Laverne and Shirley I like that Happy Days, Laverne, Shirley combined universe. That was an early, that was an early version of the uh, Marvel Universe. My favorite character out of all the combined Happy Days, Laverne, Shirley universe is the Big Ragu. I do not think the Big Ragu gets the props that he so rightfully deserves. An old friend happened to come and visit me. You know I go from rags to riches. I love your feet. You know that? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet Carmine Ragusa. Of the Marjorie Ward Dance School? What's he gonna do? Tango us to death? (laughs) Carmine Ragusa is also Golden Gloves champion of Milwaukee. Oh, that Carmine Ragusa. That's right. Excuse me while I warm up for a second. Fonzie got all the props. Like, right there... He is trying to give the big ragu the rub, but Fonzie got all the props as the toughest dude in that area when I don't think he was a real-life shooter. I don't think that Fonzie could really throw hands, but we know, we know that the big ragu can. He is the Golden Gloves champion of Milwaukee. I think that's quite a feat. Milwaukee seems like a town with a lot of fighters. You got the Bruiser, you got the Crusher, you got the uh, Beer City Bruiser. Is that that guy's name who uh, who wrestles an ice ribbon? I think Gino Vega is a big fan of the uh, the Bruiser. I've seen him a few times. I, I am always impressed with the audacity of somebody who is, by all accounts, obese. And being able to go out there in a speedo. I gotta give it up. I could never, I could never. You have self-confidence that is way, way beyond mine. But I think that if you asked me, I'm gonna pick the big ragu over the Fonz. I'm gonna pick him over the Crusher. I'm gonna pick him over the Bruiser. I'm gonna pick him over the uh, Beer City Bruiser. I'm gonna pick him over a lot of dudes because he has that, that athletic ability of a dancer combined with the knockout power of a uh, Milwaukee Golden Gloves champ. I don't know. That's just how I see it. I've never, I've never felt like the Big Ragu gets the props he deserved. I would love if in this Migo renaissance, they came out with a, 
with the Carmine Raguso. With that with that neat embroidered jacket that says Big Ragu on the back. I just I just like them. I could actually see them doing a Laverne and Shirley line. That would be that one would be alright now that I think about it. You get uh you get Laverne and Shirley. I this is just my observation, but from what I see, it does not appear as if the gal Migos are selling as well as the as the guy Migos. I myself have only bought one. I got Samantha from Bewitched. So if you did Laverne and Shirley, you get Laverne and Shirley. You put the Laverne or Shirley out in the first series. Not both. You gotta wait for the second wave. And then you have Lenny and you have Squiggy and you have the big ragu. And you could even do their dad if you if you wanted to. I I could see that being alright. I'm I think I would buy both Lenny and Squiggy. I kind of feel like I know I would. I'd probably get the dad, and I know for sure I'd be getting Carmine Raguso. Migo, Marty Abrams, since I know I know you're a listener of the show, consider that. Don't consider it, do it. I think it's I think it's a good idea. You are listening to the Toys R Us Report. There is nothing we won't try. Never heard the word impossible. This time there's no stopping us. We're doing it our way. Ah, Anson Melissa, we miss you, T-R-O-Y. She's up there, up there floating around in a Sanka can. I... I miss her all the time. That was a great bit. Laverne and Shirley was a really fun show. Their uh, song was so, so positive. What else? What else is popping off? Oh, I saw, I saw the premiere of Riverdale. I like Riverdale a lot. It's, it's completely ludicrous. If, if somebody like, let's say my dad, my dad is an old school Archie fan. When I was, when I was reading like the Green Arrow or the, the Mike Grell Longbow Hunters or whatever, he would he would come up to me and try to relate and tell me how he liked Archie as a kid. I like Archie too, so we did have have something to uh, relate on on that level. But let's just say, like an old school Archie fan like my dad caught me watching Riverdale. And he's like, oh, that's a Archie show? What, what's going on? I told him, well, Jughead's the leader of a biker gang. Archie's on trial for murder. Hiram Lodge is part of the Mexican drug cartels. He would be like, what the heck? And I got to say, what the heck too. But the show, the show is entertaining. This week though, on the premiere, we got to see some uh, neat Archie imagery. We got to see Archie in a bow tie. We have yet to see that. While he was on trial for murder, he was wearing a, uh, wearing a bow tie. He and, he and Betty together worked on the famed jalopy, the red jalopy that Archie traditionally drives. They worked on that. So we got to see Betty working on cars, which was neat. And then they drove, they drove in the jalop with a jughead. It was, it was pretty neat as far as that goes. It's a fun show. It's completely ludicrous and has very little to do with Archie, but I do, I do enjoy it. I saw the premiere Flash. They introduced the Flash's daughter from the future. Her name is Excess. She looks to be like three feet tall. She's very, very short, the actress who is playing her. I, I always like the Flash. The Flash is fun. I haven't seen the, the Black Lightning yet. I did, I did watch Arrow. I have to also say, I skipped almost the entire last season of Arrow. It's too, 
too murderous for my taste, but I I heard they were doing this angle where the Green Arrow gets sent to prison. Oliver Queen gets sent to prison, and that reminded me of that movie Supermax. There's this movie Supermax floating around the uh, DC film universe for years. It never, never saw production. The idea was that Oliver Queen gets sent to prison, and he's surrounded by all the dudes that he puts in there. He he forms an alliance with a death stroke with Slade, I think is what I recall about the uh, Supermax script. Like, there's a script and everything, and the movie almost entered production a couple times, but it never, never came to be. So when I heard that uh, Ollie was going to be in the, in the uh, clink, I um, wanted to check that out. I... I did like the first episode. I thought it was pretty good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with it. It's not, it's not exactly my taste. It's not what I want out of Oliver Queen, but that's, that's fine. The show's lasted for years, so they must, they must know what they're doing. It's nearing the final days. It has to be. I kind of feel as if the whole CW universe is kind of in a lot of ways entering its it's last few years. I don't know how many more years they can get out of The Flash. The Flash is really fun, but I don't know. The one that seems like it has the potential to last the longest is Legends of Tomorrow. They have this this whole like time travel thing, like sliders, and you could you could keep cranking these out from now till forever. What else is popping off? The the first episode of the POS, that's the patron-only show, that is a show exclusively on Patreon, done by me, has been getting pretty good reviews so far. I've heard from a few people who have checked it out. They said it was, they said it was pretty fun. Episode 2 is, like, way, way, way better. The one I'm working on now, episode 3, is even, even better than that. It's pretty much me just kind of, like, kind of winging it and stuff. It's... It's pretty fun. The episode 2 will drop on the 29th. Not the 29th. Yeah, it'll be the the 29th of October. That is... That's a couple days. Before a good old Halloween. Um, I guess... I guess that's next week from here. So... If you are a patron, keep your eye out for that. That's the POS. It'll be out Monday, the 29th, episode 2. Episode 2 is pretty fun. Gino Vega's on it. I I got some stuff with my family on there. You can hear some weird conversation that we had that I accidentally, accidentally recorded. It's, it's pretty fun overall. You want to get down with that, and to do so, all you got to do is head over to supportthereport.com and... You can get into it for as little as a dollar a month. I'm going to try to get one of these out every, every two weeks. I think I should be able to do it. I don't, I don't see why not. It's not, it's not impossible. I kind of just record when I'm just by myself, hanging out in the garage. It's fun. A lot of times that I do it, I'm playing, playing Miss Pac-Man or copying commercials off of a, off videotapes into into the digital realm for IC Robots Television. If you're not down with IC Robots Television, check that out. That's my that's my little YouTube deal. It's more or less just commercials and TV bumpers and stuff that I that I've copied off of uh, tapes, videotapes that I have, videotapes I find at the dig. Just go to YouTube, type IC Robots Television to the bar. It's the first thing that comes up. Or you can go to icrobots.com and I got it on the uh 
on the sidebar. It's on the right. What else? What else is going on next week? The 31st is, it is, of course, Halloween. We will not have a new show that week. We, we grant ourselves the luxury of taking holidays off. And Halloween is one of the grandest of all the holidays. So that week, we're going to give you a classic episode from the past. The one in which me and Iceberg go ghost hunting at the haunted Toys R Us up there in California. It's great. We drive there in a jalopy. We talk about music. It's a lot of... A lot of fun, and I think that you will enjoy it. So, this is going to be me signing off, saying happy Halloween to you guys. If you if you live in the neighborhood where there are trick-or-treaters, be generous with the candy, man. Give away, give away full-size candy bars. Give away old comic books that you don't like. That's an idea I've been batting around. I got, I got so many comic books that I don't want that I thought maybe I should just drop these in people's trick-or-treat bags as a way to maybe get them hooked on the old habit of the floppy books. I don't know. It's, it's something to think about. So, I guess this is it. Uh, for me, for Engineer Emily, for Iceberg, uh, Dr. Jane Walsh, for Ensign Kate, for Ensign Melissa, rest in peace. This is episode number 173 the Halloween one, so if you don't know, I know. We only have one rule on this team. What is that rule, Twiggy? E-L-E. That's right, E-L-E. What does E-L-E stand for? Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. This has been an IC Robots Radio production. IC Robots Radio is a listener-supported in day R. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week. 49er superstar Jim Plunkett battles a sports fan on Pro Fan tonight at 11.30 on KBHK-TV, Channel 44 in San Francisco.